0: listening to drinking socially the official untapped podcast your weekly look into what's happening in the untapped community and the world of beer i'm kyle
1: and i'm tim drinking socially is
0: released every wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts before we get into it let's get something to drink today we are cracking open big ass money stout by evil twin and lervig i believe that's correct
1: so this is an imperial stout it is clocking in at 17.2 percent abv wowza it's big it is big it is big ass
0: (laughs) i I guess so yeah but now the question is where does the money stout come from i gotta know i mean i feel like we've talked about this beer before this is this is one of those that uh when i'm looking at photos of it on untapped uh folks are clever they are the the photos of this are very very good um and i think the can kind of says it all yes it is this awesome little pattern here of like the Pizza
1: and the beer. So we actually discussed this back way, way back in episode seven. Um when this beer was first released at San Francisco Beer Week. Um I actually ended up seeing it pop up on Tavor and I just I had to get it for the show. Wow. Yeah, I was surprised when
0: I saw it. That must have been a a push notification I missed. Did they have a clever like pun for it? Did they (laughs) I'm sure they did. They usually do. (laughs) They always do. Their copywriting is very, very good too when it comes to like (laughs) silly beer names or you know, these I don't want to say joke beer, but it kind of is like this is it is brewing a beer with the things you're about to tell me just for the sake of it.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 So the idea behind this beer was to not only brew one of the strongest um, that these two had ever brewed, um, but also to incorporate local Norwegian ingredients the ingredients chosen were actually pizza and money, and now you wonder why that is. Well, the article that we had originally describes it basically saying that Norwegians are really into frozen pizza brand named Grandiosa, and many of them are flush with cash, so pizza and money
0: kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of a, an oxymoronic thing too, where you've got like frozen pizza, which is sort of like that's what I would buy in college when they were the the like Tony's one dollar. The, it's not pepperoni, it's like cubes that look like dog food <laughs> yes. on top of your pizza. And then money, which is... You didn't have at that time. Exactly, exactly. It's <laughs> sort of like a, a midlife crisis type beer, especially coming in at 17%. Oh yeah, so frozen ham pizza, Um, it's added in the boil. And then
1: the money is actually added after fermentation, similar to how you would dry hop an IPA. Okay, all right. So literal money thrown into... The dry hopping process. It's fun. Let's try it. Definitely. I got to know what this tastes like. Before we crack it open, there is a quote here from Evil Twins Yeppe, um, basically saying, uh, you put hops in after fermentation to get a fairly fresh hop flavor. We were wondering if this then would give us a fresh money flavor. Which is what? What does money taste like? I don't.
0: (laughs) I don't know. But here we go. Money tastes like what frozen pizza doesn't. I mean, you can you can kind of, let, let, let's talk about it this hold, way. Hold on. Pouring this out, Yeah, look, look at this. It's thick. So bad comparison, and, and folks are probably going to be real mad at me for saying this. It looks like Coca-Cola. Like it looks like uh, a, a artificially colored caramel beverage. Super dark, caramelly. Very, of yes, yes, yes,
1: exactly. Not quite as carbonated when pouring a lot of small bubbles, hmm. as opposed to the big ones you would find in like a cola. Like uh, kind of velvety. Yeah. It's got a very nice kind of um, caramelly mocha
0: chocolatey head i'm glad for sharing this oh yes there, there this should have been one of the one of the shows where we do like an in-person thing with four or five people <laughs> uh to be able to share this but um this is pretty cool i was looking uh, on untapped to see what kind of the history of this was maybe if there were some other versions that had been brewed before and it looks like uh lervig did brew this before in collaboration with Evil Twin, and there are two others. So, this one is actually Big Ass Money Stout 3, uh, coming in at 17.2 percent. Average global rating is 4.063. Uh, the other two versions don't look like they had as much, uh, as many check ins. This is probably the widest release slash most
1: notoriety, being that it's got. This one's actually kind of um, labeled with Evil Twin. Mm -hmm. I believe they were all collaborations, but in this one, the can and everything getting out there more. Yeah. Now, I wonder how much money went into this because this thing tastes rich.
0: So the smell, I just get alcohol. Like, I bourbon, maybe. Like, bourbon coffee. Uh, have you ever had a barrel aged coffee from, uh, modern times? I have not. You mentioned it and I keep forgetting to check that out. I'm going to bring some in to the office for me to brew for you because the, the, the barrel quality that's added to that coffee is very much what I get on the nose of this. Um, even though it's not barrel aged, it, it just has that like, it's definitely got a very deep, like sweet boozy
1: aroma. Um, it's, but emphasis on kind of like the chocolatey sweet.
0: Oh, (laughs) I saw your face when you took that sip. Mouth coating. Like I can tell now distinctly, uh, having taken just a a small sip, (laughs) that the top part of my tongue is coated completely with, with that flavor and the bottom isn't. And it's like, (laughs) it's making me want to go in for more, but it's, it is very chocolatey, not that roasted, honestly, like whatever, I don't really get ham pizza. I don't get ham pizza either. Yeah, I uh, I was reading through some comments on a tapped and folks said, can't taste the money, can't taste the pizza, but the stout's pretty dang good. Oh, yeah, no, I would agree with that.
1: And I think I picked this up probably, I mean, granted, it's an imperial stout, so it's made to, you know, age for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I picked this up probably like two or three months ago, mm-hmm. so it's been sitting in the uh, fridge for a little while, too, in the can.
0: Yeah, uh, this is one of those, again, like... Imperial Stout. I want it to open up. I want to. It, it's real cold right now, and I want to. I want to taste it when it gets a little warmer.
1: Have any of you had this one? Let us know what you thought on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by tagging us
0: at Untapped. All right, now it's time to take a look at some sponsored badges that we're adding to Untapped. Uh, what's coming up, Tim? Uh, we actually only have one coming up for you right now that is
1: slated. It is uh, the Vedette Session IPA from Duvel Morgat. Uh, this one's going to be available July 27th to August 27th. Uh, you can unlock it by checking into one Vedette Session IPA. Uh, once you do, you will receive level one. Um, this badge actually has three levels, so have a total of three for level two and five for level three. Now, what is this? Uh, The Vedette Session IPA is a low-on-alcohol, high-on-flavor Session IPA. It is the ideal choice when you have to go the distance. (laughs) (laughs) It has an intense aroma of citrus and pine resin and has a golden, slightly cloudy appearance. Um, Crisp, flavorful bitterness with a distinctly hoppy aftertaste um, that basically leaves you craving more. And since it is only 2.7% ABV, there's nothing stopping you either. Um, as they say, slow and steady wins the
0: race. That sounds good. Two point seven. I don't think I've ever had a session IPA at two point seven. No, that's, that's extremely, extremely low. low. Yeah, that sounds really good though. But imagine. I mean, that's that's a
1: pretty solid, um, pretty solid ABV to just have hanging around in the afternoon.
0: Yeah, especially if you're leveling up one to three. Uh, this is this is an easy one. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, and more. Go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code PODCAST at checkout to get 20% off all orders. That's store.untapped.com coupon code PODCAST to get 20% off. All right, let's move on to our Style of the Week segment and take a look at this week's Featured Beer Style. Here's Tim with more. This week we are going to tie things together
1: and look at the Imperial Stout. Now, in past episodes we've discussed stouts, porters, the difference, things like that, but we've never really dug too deep into the actual history of the stout or, in this case, the Imperial Stout. First and foremost, the stout is really just a variant of the porter. Um, Think of it as a stouter porter, um, stronger, heavier, hoppier. And we kind of discussed that in the past when we were discussing the difference between stouts and porters. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's dig a little deeper into the porter itself. Throughout the 18th century, porter and its offspring stout were at the height of their popularity in England. And at this time, shipping and trade throughout the Baltic Sea allowed brewers to send their beer all over. Uh, Scandinavia, Germany, Poland, and the Baltic states, as well as Western Russia, all were destinations of exported dark English brews.
0: You got to think, too, those regions that you just named, they all kind of have their own porter, too. Baltic porter, you know? Exactly. And that, that we did discuss that at one point, how um, the styles that were
1: popular in England, as they made it up there, as they followed the trade routes and they made their way up the um, kind of the Scandinavian and Baltic area smaller regional variants started to take over, hence the Baltic Porter, and there are a couple of others that we've discussed. Russian, that, Imperial, yeah. You know. that all fall into that whole idea. Uh, strong stouts were heavily favored in Russia. Um, the well-traveled Peter the Great uh, may have been the first to insist on the import of British beers to Russia. Stout was also favored by the Russian Imperial court of the era,
0: and legend has it that it was actually the preferred beer of Rasputin. I only know his uh, his music store. I didn't know his beer tastes. I know his taste in music very eclectic. You know, Rasputin's the music store. You don't don't know it? No, I don't. But so maybe I was, that's a regional
1: thing of the Bay Area. I think so. Because I was going to mention um, Lost Coast. It's Lost Coast has the Rasputin Imperial
0: Russian Stout, right? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the namesake of of that particular stout did himself enjoy a stout. Uh, sorry, North
1: Coast. It's from North Coast. North Coast Respute, which I've had and is great and mm-hmm. delicious. The actual history of the Imperial Stout is somewhat murky, kind of as its appearance is. Thank you for that. Um, a London brewery is, though, credited for popularizing the style. And, and around 1781, um, Barclay Perkins began exporting its stout to assorted ports in the Baltic region they purposely brewed it to be kind of a formidable beer uh, that would easily withstand the voyage which again the IPA same mm-hmm, idea mm-hmm. imperial pale ale they basically made a stronger version of a beer so that it would survive trade routes i
0: <laughs> you would think by then man uh, 1780s we got to find another way to ship this beer places cuz that's what people want you know yeah i guess i guess it it was then the advent of stronger beers and and sort of you know, uh, the popularity of craft beers today is based on these, uh, necessities, these like required things that they had to do to make it last that whole voyage. But, but it's interesting. Like, would we be in a world, let's say like airplanes existed, right. Mm. Or, or refrigeration even like, would we be in a world of bland beer now? Yeah. (laughs) If, if we never got the IPA and just stuck to the Ale. Or, or just to like loggers, everything's cold filtered
1: and and you know cool. We put it in the fridge and ship it across the uh, Atlantic in a ship. <laughs> That's it. And yeah. we never saw Imperial or Strong. Oh, that that would be a terrible, sad, world, sad history. Yeah, oh, no, I don't, I don't. but that didn't happen. No, thankfully, a serendipitous extension of the strong attribute of this beer made it perfectly suited for cold climate where spirits were much favored. Hence, you know, the Baltic regions, Russia, things like that. Yep. Uh, and surprisingly, uh, today, under the name of Courage, the same imperial stout is still brewed in London. The, the one that was um, exported by Barclay Perkins in
0: 1781. Got it. Got it. Wow. So
1: the brewery states that the uh, same beer that was exported to Russia over 200 years ago is still being brewed there. Which, again, European brewing and history
0: There's a lot of it. Doing a little bit of searching here on Untapped. There's a lot of uh, Charles Wells beers that come up under Courage. Uh, London Stout. Courage Russian Imperial Stout by Eagle Brewing. Uh, It's a Russian imperial based on the 18th century recipe perfected by John Courage uh, to be able to withstand the temperatures of the Baltic. So the beer could be exported uh, to the Court of Catherine, The great of great, the great in Russia who had become uh, quite taken by the strong London stout comes in at 10 percent ABV chocolate, amber, pale ale malts, jet black stout, it says. It's a beautiful bottle. Wow. Uh, Nowhere is the imperial
1: stout style more prevalent, um, revered and consumed than you guessed it, the United States. Um, Of course, American brewers have put their own slant on the style, as is to be expected, Um, but they have retained the core sublime qualities uh, that make this beer so popular. Huge. Yes. Imperial Stouts are just as likely now to be a year-round offering as a seasonal. Um, It doesn't really matter when they're made. Because of their strength, they're really, really good for aging. Mm -hmm. So you can buy it at any time, put it away, and open it up whenever you feel like it. It's the
0: middle of summer and a heat wave here and we're trying it. So, you know, (laughs) that's true. Little off, but, you know, I was telling a bit of a story uh, offline before this podcast uh, that even though it is pretty temperate here in California, right, pretty warm all the time. But when I would go to beer festivals and they would have like a casked imperial stout or you know some some russian imperial stout with cocoa nibs or some you know something very one off and unique i would always rate it insanely high uh just because it wasn't a style that i had very often and in a festival that was covered in IPAs and at the time, you know, no no hazy IPAs. That wasn't the trend. Uh, it, it was like, where's the double IPA station? Where's the triple IPAs? Where are the fruited IPAs and the casked IPAs and things like that? The uh, time before hazy IPAs. I know. Who who, when who, was can, that? who can imagine? <laughs> um, a stout was a welcomed reprieve from all of those different, uh, like very overly hopped styles.
1: That would make sense. That's probably why it's usually, I think, one of the kind of the go-to styles for most breweries in Mm -hmm. the beginning. Yep. The commonality between Imperial Stouts really is that they are big and roasty, which I think we are experiencing here with the big-ass money stout. Almost any type of malt can be used, um, as could any type of hop. Um, The subtleties and the nuances that make them distinctive is really just up to kind of the way that the brewer manipulates and adds different things to it. Um, an Imperial Stout relies on a foundation of high-quality pale malt and an equal amount of roasted barley. Um, chocolate malt is a popular addition, as is caramel or even Munich malt. The high proportion of malt leaves a fairly substantial amount of residual body and mouthfeel, um, which you mentioned the way that it's kind of coating your tongue there. Very
0: much so, yeah.
1: Exactly. And the hop character of an Imperial Stout can run fairly low, putting the maltiness up front. And the hop variety that's used isn't terribly crucial since you're mostly getting that roasty, malty flavor up front and not really relying on the um, hoppy characters. The combination of roasted barley and other dark character malts gives Imperial Stouts a bittersweet personality, and you kind of, as we discussed, get coffee or espresso... Um, that's sort of like roasty thing. And then depending on what you do with it, if you barrel age it or you add some fruit to it, you get those sort of nuances as well.
0: You know, peppers, things peppers, like that. Yeah. yeah. To try and balance some of the, uh, roastiness or sweetness that you tend to get with big beers like this. And needless to say, the Imperial Stouts age
1: really well, you know, with the high ABV and just that standard style, um, similar to barley wines, you know, they can change significantly over time, um, as you age them kind of mellowing out or alcohol kind of building up or mellowing. Um, And then obviously, as you mentioned, um, just kind of waiting for them to open up. Once you pour them as the temperature warms, they tend to change a little bit too, which is also cool.
0: Yep. Um, One thing I was curious about uh, this beer in particular that we're having today uh, is that it comes in a can I don't usually think of like, I'm going to age a can, right? It, it, <laughs> I don't want it leaching or I don't want it, uh, you know, whatever is used to coat the inside of the can so that it doesn't stick. I would be concerned maybe a little bit that that may be imparted on the beer over time or sediment, you know, is is leaning one side over the other. or A can can easily be shaken up without you really noticing. Um, it won't be light struck, thankfully, but it's still not what you would expect for an aged beer. Are you less likely to age a can versus a bottle or does it need to say like a bourbon County stout for you to be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to keep this one in my fridge for five years.
1: Uh, no, I think it's just based off of the style for me. Um, not necessarily the vessel that it is contained within, but to your point, um, I mean, canning has become so prevalent that it's not surprising to find it in a can. Right. But the majority that you do see or the majority of the things that we have hanging out back, you know, down here in the office um, are in bottles. So it is, that is a very interesting point.
0: Well, even the top four beers on Untapped, these are the ones that have been sitting here for a while, uh, are Goose Islands, uh, Bourbon County, Brand Stout. The top four on Untapped. Uh, these are the ones that are out of production currently, but uh, we've got 2014 either the uh, proprietor's version or the uh, vanilla rye version those are both sitting at the top lots of ratings super high ratings like i was saying before uh, stouts for me at least personally tend to get you know more highly rated cuz that's something i don't have much of but. it
1: breaks up it breaks up our ever flowing string of ipas and so it's something different and you're like oh my gosh this is amazing and magical because i completely haven't had different. it completely
0: yeah. different yeah 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 i i do <laughs> The thing is, when I do have uh, something like a Cascadian dark ale, like an, a black IPA, mm-hmm. I tend to also rate those very, very highly because they are very different on the IPA spectrum. Oh, You yeah. still kind of get that super bitterness, but you get the roasty quality. And the smoky that you get, sort of thing. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind trying one of these top rated beers on Untapped, maybe sometime. One day. Uh-huh. Let's look at some of the interesting beer articles that we found this week. The first article we have here comes from
1: NBCnews.com. Four useful things you can do with stale beer. Boy, clickbait. Definitely, isn't it? <laughs> but I found it I found it pretty fun. I want to try these. Okay. Uh, uh,
0: I, I've got one or two in, in the back of my mind. It also depends on how they describe stale beer and what that means, but... All right. Well, let's go through the article. Let's go
1: through and then we'll take Kyle's extra tips at the end. Five. Five tips from untapped. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, click, click here. Click here. <laughs> the article does uh, starts off by saying, This weekend, many of us will gather in a park or a backyard with family and friends for a barbecue. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Which means lots of beer will be consumed. I actually went to a barbecue-esque baby shower over the weekend and one of the games they had was drinking beer out of sippy cups it was very entertaining that's, that's
0: actually called a baby cue but uh
1: wow i never put that together baby. is that a real thing or you just nope, plan me just make that up you're playing me okay <laughs> we're gonna get wrong okay anyway had to do that moving on which means that a lot of beer will be consumed and if you find yourself the host of a summer party it's likely you'll wake up to a dozen half-empty beer bottles scattered around the yard, mm-hmm. but resist the urge to dump them out. You may be surprised to learn that there
0: are some ways you can put those flat suds to use. Okay, so this is this is like barbecue juice left out overnight that someone maybe uh, drank half of, and it's just kind of sitting there still in, in the little Heineken bottle. Exactly. Okay. That's what All it right. is. All right. All right. So the first one they have here is to remove stains.
1: So next time you spill coffee on the rug during a groggy Monday morning, we've all been there. Uh, reach for some stale beer left over from your Sunday fun day. Just pour it over the stain and blot it with a clean towel. Then you end up with. It depends on what kind of beer, I, I guess, right? Yeah, that's uh, a good point. I there's no there's no specifics, and I've never tried. Warning: These have not been tested. Yeah, cannot guarantee your results. I this is this is like a bad YouTube video waiting to happen. Right. I still, it's pretty funny. Uh, number two, restore wood. Has your coffee table seen better days? Use flat beer on a clean cloth to restore the luster to
0: a wood furniture. Interesting. Okay. Like a varnish, I guess. Maybe. So not lacquer, but liquor. <laughs> okay. All right.
1: Nice. <laughs> Um, add shine to hair now this one i have heard
0: that um that uh, beer helps your hair mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of beer soaps out there uh, once you know soaps made with beer this one's uh, time to crack open a
1: shower beer it turns out that beer can add shine and body to dull hair uh, thanks to the vitamin b and natural sugars in the beverage um, dump it over your hair let it sit for a few minutes and then
0: rinse it out with cold water yeah i mean it's like honey you know honey in the shower is also a, is sort of a good thing to have I, at least that's what i've heard Hot tips. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have not heard that one. Huh. The only, I, I have heard about the beer thing though, so that's really interesting. Yeah. Just a little, little, little
0: bit here, a little, little bit, bit here, here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Multi-use. Um, and then the fourth one they had was to ward off bugs. Uh, Centronella candles uh, not doing the job. Uh, if your guests are getting eaten alive, pour stale beer into buckets and place them in the corners of your backyard. mm It turns out small flies and mosquitoes are a fan of a cold lager too. It's the sugar. It's the sugar. Exactly. Meaning that they will be busy in beeping and not nibbling on you. At least two of those I can see and understand working. Yeah. The cleaning stains, I don't know. (laughs) And then restoring wood, I mean there's got to be something in the chemicals that might help there, but yeah. I don't know. Wouldn't it make it a little sticky depending on what you're using? Most definitely.
0: Yeah. It, it, it can't be good. I mean, it, it, you're not going to pour a hazy IPA onto your coffee table. I mean, it's, ha- it's happened, uh, unfortunately, uh, on accident, I'm sure multiple times in, in my house, but not, not on purpose. I, I just, uh, so here's tip here's, number five yes, let's for get, me. Okay. Uh, make a beer cheese out of it. Uh, if it's been outside, the thing is, I, I'm i likely not to do that and, and put it into something that I'm consuming. Yep. But if you've got like half a beer, you just don't want to finish the rest of it. It's a lager. It's a, a IPA, whatever. Uh, pour it out. Get all the suds out. Let it either come to room temperature or throw it in a jar and keep it in your fridge for a little while. It is great to use for a beer cheese because you 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 don't want the bubbles in it. You also don't really want it to be uh, super potent. Yeah. Either. That makes sense. Um, you can also like throw a jalapeno in there, like yep. dice one up a little bit and try to, uh, I don't know, like it basically with, uh, with some other stuff, uh, just to bring some more flavor to it. But we've discussed, five. we've
1: discussed beer cheese before and I'm still waiting for you
0: to make yeah, some. I need to, I need to make some,
1: you're right. I need to make some. Moving on to our next article here from dw.com. This kind of goes in line with some of our previous world cup coverage, which is now over, but there's still, uh,
0: some of the uh, effects are still taking place. We've got the uh, 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup coming up, too. So we've got to keep some of this uh, beer and football news sort of in, in rotation for a little while because it's going to be important. Uh, German beer producers are actually running out of bottles, similar to the uh, UK
1: running out of uh, CO2. And Russia running out of beer. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the summer heat leading to increased beer consumption, some breweries in Germany complain about lacking enough bottles and crates. The Figa Brewery in Western Germany has a problem. Although business is booming in this hot World Cup summer, it's struggling to find enough bottles to put its beer in. Oh, man. So they've launched an urgent appeal to consumers via Facebook. Um, We need your help, the brewery wrote. Although we regularly buy new empty bottles, they're becoming scarce in our bottling facility. So before you go on summer holiday, please bring your uh, Mortiz Figa empties back to the shop.
0: Okay, is that, that must be a bigger bottle, like bomber size or 750 milliliter, right? Likely it's not a 12-ounce bottle, I would assume. They uh, they use a
1: standard glass bottle with a porcelain cork swing top, so it's a little oh, different.
0: Oh, okay. All right. I was actually looking at some of those uh, for fermentation and things like that at, at home. The You have to get like fermentation-grade glass, and I could see that if it's not built, like you can't just order them on Amazon, right? <laughs> I'm sure this brewer would love to just get whatever glass bottles, but if you were going to be putting something that's pressurized or putting beer in there, it needs to be a certain grade and it needs to be good enough. So the, especially the ones with those pop tops, uh, ceramic tops,
1: uh, there are an estimated 2 billion reusable beer bottles in circulation among Germany's 82.6 million people, uh, with the containers being refilled on average 36 times. So that may sound like enough to meet demand, but not every brewer uses the same sort of
0: bottle. Wow, that makes me feel so wasteful here in the U.S. Uh, we, I mean, we use growlers sometimes. Well, we did, we did discuss how Oregon has implemented yeah. the reusable
1: bottles, and right. that's kind of been a thing in the past um, in history, but today it's not as prevalent. So hopefully, that kind of takes a little bit more hold here in the states. Yeah, um, but obviously, reusable bottles is a pretty big thing in other countries. Uh, Bottles in Germany actually vary from dumpies uh, to Vichys to long necks. Um, Some breweries personalize bottles by having their names embossed on the glass. Mm -hmm. And they're both Euro and NRW 500 milliliter bottles, the latter named after Germany's most popular state in North Rhine-Westphalia, where the Figa
0: Brewery is located. Got it. So it's got got kind of this uh, history and and they, I don't know, personalize it a little bit. It it sounds like there's a, a neat... Uh, bottle reuse culture in Germany that I would love to see carry over here to to the U.S., but we'll see. Now, cans are widely used in the
1: U.S. and the U.K., and um, they're rightly or wrongly looked down upon for being unsexy and environmentally unfriendly. Um, in Germany, it's mostly glass or nothing, partially for that reusability factor. Yeah. Um, glass bottles are produced seasonally so the Figa spokesperson says that you know orders have to be placed a year in advance and breweries really have no way of knowing what the weather is going to be like the following summer so if consumption's up then there might be an issue that blows, I mean sorry,
0: glass pun yes, no, I got I, it, right, I, I
1: follow that one yeah, I, I did, it. I just didn't react so that's very interesting that this, uh, <laughs> this summer, the heat wave, yeah. the world cup everything's yeah. leading to a big lack of beer in, in European countries. It's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, let's see if this happens in 4 years though. Germany did not do so well this year uh, <laughs> in the men's tournament at least. Um but I mean, we did see we did have that article a couple time
1: a couple shows back about England and mm-hmm. they advanced really far and those pubs were packed and not only during the heat wave but the celebration they were running low. Yeah. Oh uh, well, hopefully we can recover from this great beer uh
0: Yeah, well well, and maybe this maybe this, this is going to uh, be the thing that kind of pushes germany to be more in tune with what the rest of the world is doing with beer packaging i don't know if most of this is is for like i'm gonna go to the brewery and just bring some stuff home um, because a lot of folks do use reusable glass bottles and stuff like that for for that type of thing um but when it comes to actually distributing and putting it in stores and stuff it's still definitely here at least here in california dominated by cans Next up, we have an article from
1: TheDailyMeal.com. What beer you should drink according to your Zodiac sign? Uh, Every single person has an astrological sign unique to the date on which they were born. And some believe this plays a significant role in each person's destiny. Um, While most people don't allow their star sign to um, seriously dictate life decisions, um, beliefs about the Zodiac sign date back to the mid-century B.C., Um, The the Daily Meal sat down with uh, beer genius Max Baker, who is a beer educator at Anheuser-Busch and one of only 16 master Cicerones in the entire world, which is an elite wine sommelier for beer, if you will, um, to find out what's in the stars of each Zodiac personality. Uh, So I went through and um, grabbed our symbols to find out what our Zodiac beers are. So I myself, I am a Capricorn. And the uh, the article says basically that Capricorns tend to be more disciplined than other signs. They have great self control and management skills. I disagree. <laughs> and also heavily value craftsmanship and family, which I'll get on board with that one. Okay. Um, a German style Pilsner is a timeless classic, the perfect complement to a Capricorn's desire to keep
0: with tradition. Okay. Like, hey, how do you, how do you feel about German style Pilsners? I'm Fully okay with that. Huh, okay. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, now this, we should say this is also. If you aren't familiar with this, this, is based on your birthday. Usually, like the the time in which you were born and the stars that were you know in the sky at that particular time. Yes. Uh, so for me, I'm what would be called a Cancer. Cancers are compassionate, intuitive, and sympathetic. Okay. I would agree with that based on uh, me knowing. All right. You. All right. Uh, <laughs> while they don't often share the intimate details of their personal lives, especially with strangers. They do find solace in arts and crafts, spending time with mom, and relaxing near bodies of water. Uh, Baker compares an American Amber Ale to a winter sweater, offering warm, the comfort... Warm sweater. Uh, uh, sorry, to a warm sweater, offering the comfort cancers crave with each sip. American Amber Ale, what about like a, like a winter warmer? I feel like that the, the, those are like hand in hand.
1: Mm, yeah, I wonder mm. what the constraints were with this it's interesting maybe we stuck to some of the main styles. I mean yeah
0: there's only there's only 12 signs that there, there are, we are fully aware there are a lot of different beer styles out there. But how do you feel being compared to a, an American amber? Uh the, not my favorite style um but I would say probably the qualities that it, it imparts are are kind of they're they're a little bit in line with with me, very uh, unassuming and a little boring. Uh, <laughs> you're not, boring. not not really uh, uh available everywhere. It, it's one that uh a lot of craft brewers have kind of shunned over over time, and uh, and don't really enjoy very much. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say I'm definitely uh, an amber. I don't like that description. That's a very sad description. <laughs> I would disagree with half of those. Eh, well, okay. So <laughs> the thing with with zodiacs and and folks like reporting on this kind of stuff for it is that. Th- this is supposed to change over time. It's not really supposed to be set in stone at least mm. that's that's what I understand of of this whole uh process of of saying you know you were kind of like this the uh the spending time with mom stuff though that's spot on that's that's a hundred percent hi mom hi, mom. <laughs>
1: Um, you we will be sure to uh, link this article in the show notes as we do with every article we cover on every show. So head over there to our show notes, podcast.untapp.com, and you can go look up what your Zodiac sign is and see if it ties in well with a style that you like and agree with.
0: Are are you familiar with the weird Al song Horoscope for today? Uh yes. That's your horoscope yeah, for exactly. today. One of my favorite original songs that he's ever done. I saw him play this live. It was so Good, I can't imagine. And he was live. able to just bang, 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 bang because yeah, yeah. it just it goes it goes from one you to the other. To to yeah,
1: breathe like it's is it is it sounded like a recording. It oh, was. Great. Yeah, I remember that song, so I can I hear all of it right now. You brought now, it now back. Now we just
0: need to do it with beer and beer styles. Oh, jeez, what <laughs> only imperial style? Only the twelve, or we going to do every single one. I think we should do all of them. It'd be like the Pokemon rap, American Wild Ale. Yeah, exactly. Stays on. Yeah, hazy IPA. All
1: right, let's move on. Our last article of the day comes from penlive.com, and it is Dunkin' Donuts to brew coffee-inspired beer. All right, this
0: is not a first.
1: This I, I saw had, that they had done a collaboration in the past, but
0: was only available at one brewery's um, tap room. So I did read that. The uh, uh, Rogue in uh, Oregon has also worked with uh, Voodoo Donuts to make like their their, uh, they had the regular donut. They had a pink donut.
1: and They went all off the rails and did like the pretzel and the this yeah. and the that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that became a whole. Yeah, the, the
0: don- donuts and beer. I feel like are are a great it, combo. This is
1: true, but I mean that was like that was two very like local niche things getting okay. together. All right, all right this all is right. Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin's big. It's big. It's but it's kind of new to us here on the West Coast. I yeah. remember yeah. when the one here in Santa Monica opened. It was like the first West Coast, and people that I knew were like, "Oh my gosh!" And I just I never
0: really got it. No. No? Uh, it's kind of like Starbucks, right? No, I get it's, it. It's just sort of is everywhere. Yeah. Over, over on the East Coast, at least. Yeah. Well,
1: beer with your donuts. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts is testing coffee-flavored beers. The coffee chain is partnering with Boston-based company Harpoon Brewery, which we know of, mm-hmm. um, to brew Dunkin' Coffee Porter, a dark classic porter brewed with Dunkin' Donuts coffee, which, uh, from what I'm finding out from people that I know are from the East Coast, is their go-to coffee.
0: Yeah, it's the... So much so that they sell, quote-unquote, Dunkin' Donuts coffee, pre-ground, in stores, branded as Dunkin' Donuts coffee. You can brew it yourself at home. I don't know if that has sold as well as, like, just going to a Dunkin' Donuts location, picking that up, or, (laughs) or how well it'll sell as a beer, but... I don't know what qualities of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, other than regular coffee, would be imparted on on a a particular beer. Yeah, you know that's supposed to like ah, oh, it's a Dunkin' Donuts. Is it sugary? Is it? I know.
1: wonder. I wonder if you took a standard. Run of the mill coffee beer, and compared to Dunkin' Donuts coffee beer, if you could notice, if you would, yeah, blind taste test. Could you be like, oh, these both just taste like coffee? You would have to get someone who knows knows Dunkin' Donuts. I know someone. I should. All right, blind taste test. I should see. Gotta do it. All right. Uh, Harpoon spokesman um, told the Boston.com that the beer will likely be released in late October or early November. And it is anticipated to be distributed regionally. And if it does well, it could be released nationally, which sounds like Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. It was regional, now it's national. <laughs> Uh, the 6% ABV Porter will be available in 12-ounce
0: cans and 12-ounce bottles. Okay. All right. So, crushable. It, it sounds like it's, you know, not going to be this heavy, heavy, heavy it's not gonna pizza be money thing. stout that we've got here today. Granted. It's going to be... Remember, stout is a heavier porter. That's true. Okay. All right. So, so, it is on the lighter side Yes. implicitly by saying it's a porter. Correct. All right. I like it. Yay. I like it. I like coffee IPAs I, I don't know if anyone else does but cold brew coffee IPAs are very good
1: I don't know if I've had one I've only had like the golden stout like the coffee-ish golden like okay, a,
0: but it's still it's still, it's still more, more of a stout m- than it zone. is on an I- yeah. okay I, so now we need to figure that Rogue out. Rogue makes a cold brew IPA uh, I'll find it I'll find it out to bring it in because okay. it's, a, it's, a, it's a good it's an interesting style coffee beer put it together all right, coffee, coffee, beer episode coming up soon. <laughs> got to do it. Yes. All right, now it's time to answer some of your questions. If you've got anything you've wanted to know about Untapped or beer in general, be sure to send over your questions using the hashtag #AskUntapped on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. So
1: this week's question comes to us from Clay on Twitter, and he asks Kyle and Tim, "Will you explain
0: cellaring beers?" Uh, I'll explain it, Clay. I don't know if it'll be considered the correct explanation of it, but when I sell her a beer, it's likely to be in my fridge that I kind of temperature control. It sits at about 55 degrees and I will put things like, uh, stouts that like we talked about today that I want to age. Uh, I will also put, Uh, sours that I have from either trades that I've done or uh, trips up to the Bay Area that I've done. Um, Rare barrel has, are are some that I've got in my, uh, my cellar. Uh, But it's not like an underground uh, dark place with moss growing on the walls or anything. It's (laughs) not anything spectacular. And it's a very small fridge. It's one that I'll be probably bringing into the office very soon, but I've also got a list for sellers, and I'm sure we'll get into some of the features in the app that we we have to be able to do that. Um, But that's what I consider cellaring. So, Tim, I I need you to tell me what it actually is.
1: Well, you're on the right path there. So what is cellaring? It's the process of aging a beer in a cellar or in cellar-like conditions. Um, In your case, your fridge. Um, aging often allows flavors to develop and mature. And in the case of beers with like live bacteria in them, um, in your case of like Sours or um, uh, Brut IPAs or things like that. Sorry, is it Brett IPAs? Mm-hmm. Um, Brut, I think, is another thing. So what beers should you sell her? Well, as a general rule, beers with at least an 8% ABV age the best. Um, malty beers are typically prime candidates, while hoppy pale ales and IPAs are best enjoyed fresh, mm-hmm. which I believe we, we talked about, um, a couple episodes ago with the article about the, um, comparison of IPAs and how long they
0: lasted and still tasted fresh. Right. Well, and that's the other thing. Like I think lots of breweries now are putting on their packaging, uh, you know, cellar this or keep this at a particular temperature. Keep this for two years, drink this now. Some, some IPA cans will say, um, yes, they're, they're getting, telling you when to drink it.
1: They're getting far more detailed and nerdy and a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so, Beers that you're buying have key indicators right on the label. As Kyle just mentioned, um, if you see any of the following terms, that beer is likely a prime candidate for aging. The first term you should look out for is barrel aged. Um, These beers have been aged in wood and they improve over time.
0: Like and likely they've been aged already, either one year, two years, six months, May whatever. as well keep going, right? Yeah, may as well. Uh, the next one is Reserve. Um, reserve beers are rare or
1: special release um, beers, and they're most often um, crafted to improve with age. Like, that's the whole point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Another thing to look out for is going to be vertical. Uh, If you see the word vertical on a bottle, uh, throw it in the cellar because most vertical beers are made to be aged. Um, Many enthusiasts will pick up each of the special releases and then they'll have the beers in order in order to create a chronological or vertical tasting.
0: Right. So this is, I think the most well-known version of this is Stone's uh, series of vertical beers. They've got like the 11-11-11, 12-12-12. We have a 12-12-12 back there.
1: That's the only one though.
0: I do have a vertical epic. I do have a vertical of the
1: Firestone anniversaries. I have a vertical of the Festivals. Urban County. Uh, Only two years worth of that so far. I guess I wonder how many you need to actually be considered a full
0: vertical as a three three maybe i feel like three is the cutoff otherwise you're just comparing two vintages yeah one one year after another i actually don't know there may be our that's another question but yeah yeah good good question good question if you know let us know (laughs) because i'm curious now what how
1: many beers do you have to have in order for it to count as a vertical after two for me it doesn't even matter i won't remember (laughs) anyway um another term to look out for is going to be bottle conditioned. Mm. Uh, These are beers that contain active yeast, uh, making them ideal for aging because live yeast inside the bottle
0: is an integral part of the maturation process. It is. And we were talking, I believe, a couple episodes ago about live yeast in bottles. And uh, one bottle that I have actually says, don't put this in a refrigerator. Oh, because it needs to stay. You don't want to freeze bacteria. Exactly. So mine is, that beer is the only one that I have out at, you know, on, in a cabinet um, that's not in my quote unquote fridge cellar. Um, another term to look out for is Britannomyces.
1: Um, this is a specific type of Belgian yeast often added toward the end of a brewing process. Um, it's kind of one of those souring bacterias that gets added, um, in order to get that like sour, funky beer thing going on. You mm-hmm. want to, you want to let those do their magic for a while too. Um, now another thing to talk about is storage conditions. Uh, they call it cellaring for a reason. Uh, basements are often the most ideal storing locations. However, it's the environment that really counts. Um avoid sunlight at all costs. Heat and sunlight make beer skunky. Hmm. As we know, light strike is an issue. Yeah. Um, and depending on the type of beer, heat can also be a big issue in messing things up. You want to keep humidity levels somewhat constant. Um, and then you know, if you don't have a basement or a cellar, um, a bedroom, closet, or any room with few windows will work just fine. Um, remember you're looking for a place with steady temperatures and a lack of sunlight. Um, wine fridges or beer fridges, if you want to go that route, are also a great yet slightly more expensive option. Oh, totally.
0: the The one that I've got is like a 1980s uh, mini fridge that. I just got from my father-in-law who was like, I have this, I'm not using it. Do you want to take it? And that's, that's what I'm using. Um, and it's, it's working out. Okay. Um,
1: generally speaking, as you mentioned with your fridge, um, most beers should be stored between 50 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: Well, that's the thing with this kind of bad, quote unquote, bad mini fridge, old mini fridge. It sits a lot higher than any fridge normally would. And so the average temperature in there is about 55. That's perfect. That's right for for a beer. Right on the money. Yeah. So it seems to, be, seems to be working okay for me. Uh, now, I wanted to talk briefly about ways in the app that we can kind of improve your cellaring experience. If you do have a bunch of beers that you've been saving for a while, maybe one like uh, this rack that we've got back here in the Which office. is
1: in no way temperature controlled. <laughs> no, and I
0: realize that it's I constant. It's there's constant. M- there's definitely no sunlight. There's down no here. light.
1: <laughs> Humidity is definitely on the
0: low, but the temperature can vary. Right, yes. Uh, pretty dramatically, I would say. Well, we're underground, so it's a basement, technically. It's, it's we're we're a ticking a couple boxes here. Okay. It's not bad. It's not. Okay. Bad. <laughs> My voice is maybe going a little bit higher than I wanted it to. But <laughs> uh, ways that we're helping you do this in the app, um, you can create custom lists now. Or you can add beers and add other details to them that are specific for cellaring. So you can say, like, I bought it on this date. Uh, there is a date that I want to drink this by. So it's there's a, what's it called? Best buy date? Do best buy date, yep. So we've got a best... There's a bottle date. There's a best buy date. Uh, we can You can tell where you purchased it. Right. So if you've got a bunch of them and you want to remember where you picked certain beers up from, uh, you can add a purchase date to them. You can also say whether it's a can or a bottle. Um, it It is just sort of a brief look at what you've got in your cellar so that you can add additional quantities to it you can maybe add I mean, find a vertical of a of one you already have in your cellar things like that uh, yep and you can also add
1: some notes if you want to kind of say uh where it's at like oh this is second in the back this is in the back bottom shelf right um you can add that in there we may you- have
0: to get to alphabetizing these and like putting them in their own zones oh. so we could say what zone they're in you know this is gonna be good yeah we're gonna get nerdy up yeah. in here you can also take a photograph of, of the beer, so you can take a photo of maybe the label or um, of the Best Buy date on there. If you want to just kind of take the stamped date that that some are printing on there, or just take a take a photo of the label so you remember what it looks like if you're going to uh, try and find a vertical of that.
1: It is true though that cellaring is not a perfect art. It does take some you know testing and kind of it, playing with the conditions, the temperatures where you're storing it. So it's, it's not perfect, but it's definitely something to play with and find, you know, the best conditions for your beers.
0: And, and do what you can with what you've got, I think is, is another good thing. Like take it doesn't it, have take to advantage, be No, exactly. Take advantage of trying to find a place that doesn't get a lot of light and the temperatures kind of regular, uh, is, is kind of all you're looking to do. All right, show notes are available at podcast.untapped.com. And if you've got any questions for us or you've got some feedback either about the podcast or about the app, be sure to connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's at untapped everywhere.
1: And as always, if you have a second, please head over to uh, Apple Podcasts and rate our show. We would greatly appreciate that five-star rating. Uh, The higher our ratings, the higher we climb in the charts, the more people find our show. And we are always looking for new listeners. If you have an extra moment, go ahead and write a review because we'd love to hear what you think, um, what you have to say, any feedback that you have. We're always reading and listening
0: and trying to take that into consideration. I think if you've got beer suggestions too, I think we should be taking some beer suggestions. Like The pickle beer mm. ended up being a wonderful beer last episode in episode 21. Uh, this money stout that we're having now finally opened up and I think we're, we're getting some real complex flavors going on with this so i i've really enjoyed this one uh if you've got any suggestions for beers we should try send them over also uh to us it's at untapped everywhere yeah twitter facebook instagram you can
1: email us you can write in a review whatever you want to do
0: just get it over here
1: all right paper airplanes until next week Cheers. cheers